obviously our vision for a church is centred completely in the Great Commission. If that's not our highest priority, our greatest calling is worship, but our highest priority is the Great Commission, then we're really not being the church. But we summarise it into a mission statement that says we're growing lives connected to Christ, His cause and community. And I want to put an emphasis just quickly, growing. We want everybody to keep growing. All of us have a next step and I'll come to that in a moment. Obviously, it's got to be connected to the Lordship and salvation that is found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we committed to His cause. We're here for His plan, His purpose. We are His hands and feet on planet Earth. And in terms of community, there's church community, our commitment to local community, and you'll be seen through the year us celebrating some of the amazing things that have been done, are being done, and will, and will expand in terms of our care arm. But there's other ways in which we engage with our community. And then also in terms of international missions, our global community. But a verse that is key to us, and this is just by way of a quick reminder, and it may be new information to some, our whole thing is centred of how we outwork, outlove, envision how we do the Great Commission, is found in Paul's declaration in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, not Corinthians, Colossians, sorry. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 to 29. And he starts with these words, so we continue. I want you to just say that, even if you're watching online or watching on delay or here on the tour, let's just say that, so we continue. I'm going to come back to that. I think I've highlighted it. So we continue, number one, to tell people about Christ, to use all wisdom to counsel every person and teach every person and we're trying to bring everyone before God as people who have grown to be spiritually mature in Christ. Paul then says, to do this, I work and struggle using the great strength that Christ gives me. This strength is working in my life, in our lives, the strength that Christ gives us. And so there's four key things that frames everything we seek to do as a church. We want people, number one, to know God. Paul says we continue to tell people about Jesus, about Christ. Secondly, we want people to find freedom. And we use all wisdom to counsel. This is not that we are doing psychiatric counselling or psychology. It's the counsel, the wisdom of God to teach people, instruct people how they can find the freedom that has been won for them in the Lord Jesus Christ. The fourth thing is we want every single person to discover their purpose, the reason God put you on the planet in this point and in this time in history. And to discover your purpose means discovering your gifts and all of those things. And then to make a difference, having found freedom in Christ, growing in Christ, discovering your gifts, the talents, the abilities, the opportunities that God has opened to you, to then engage in making a difference. None of us wants to come to the end of our life and simply say, well, they lived, they used up some oxygen, not sure what they did. Every single one of us, and I'm talking about in the eyes of God, 
Whether you get praise from people is secondary, as, in, as encouraging as it can be, not praise, but encouragement from people. Ultimately, we want Jesus to say to every single one of us, well done, good and faithful servant. And you've accomplished and I'm going to give you even more opportunity. But I wanted to highlight that just to remind what our priorities are, how we outwork vision, the key things to know God, to find freedom, to, make a dif- to, to discover purpose and to make a difference. But if you read those words in the book of Colossians and the preceding verses, Paul actually says and tells us about an enormous amount of suffering and trials that he is going through. And he talks about suffering on behalf of the church, the body of Christ, and specifically the church that he was speaking to at the time in order to fulfill his calling. And I'm just lifting a few of the phrases out. Colossians 1.24, just a few verses before our key passage. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And then he mentions a few other churches and situations. And he says, I'm doing this for the sake of his body, which is the church. He's making it very clear that he's not suffering for his own spiritual advancement. He is not trying to be an ascetic. In other words, I punish myself in order to become more spiritual. He's just enjoying life, trying to fulfill the call of God on his life, doing the very best he can. And he says along the way, I've been through some stuff. He faced difficulty and trials and tribulations simply because he followed Jesus and was other-centered, not self-centered. He was looking to invest in others. And in that journey, in that process, he experienced pain. And we're not in any way, well, I'm not comparing what he went through to anything we've gone through. But that's where that phrase is so powerful. Despite all the pain, despite all the difficulty, despite all the obstacles, despite all the, the challenges, he says we continue to do these things. So we continue. And that's such a powerful statement because the last two years for all of us and to to some degree others, maybe some have more, but we've all faced two years of our world being turned upside down and inside out and things that we thought were going to be normal. And we all thought when we went into the first lockdown about two months of this and we're out, baby. Even the beginning of this year, I was so excited. And then Omicron. (laughs) You're not laughing. You don't think it's that funny. (laughs) Neither do I, actually. (laughs) Every along the whole way, oh, you just got to keep pivoting. I said to somebody, if I pivot one more time, I might as well just become a ballerina. (laughs) You could see that, couldn't you? (laughs) So we continue. And that is a response that I believe God wants to emanate from each and every one of our hearts. I am going to continue to follow Jesus. I'm going to continue to be other-centered and serve others and do the best I can to make a difference because I know God, I've found freedom, I've discovered my purpose and I am committed to making a difference. See, to put it in another way, What we do as a church relies on what you do as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's all very well for us to have great vision, and I believe we do. And I've already outlined a few things and talked a little bit about the future in that sense. But it's reliant on us engaging, not just me and the team and a few other people. And our volunteer base has grown through this um, challenging two years. But it relies on what we do individually and contribute to the body of Christ. So we continue. So I want to ask you to consider what your next step is for this year. Because in a sense, vision is not just about what we do, but the vision for your life in terms of what you do. What's your next step? It's really important, and I think you know this, that our spiritual growth is not accomplished solely by our next step. That's important. We commit to something. But in taking that next step to follow Jesus, there's an outpouring of His grace, His strength, His power, His opening doors and shutting doors and creating opportunities. So what's your next step? In Second Peter 3 and verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace. It's not growing hard works. And, and we're not talking about that you shouldn't make, put an effort in, but it's not religious works that make you grow. It's taking steps of faith. It's taking the next step that God is prompting you to take and then seeing an outpouring of grace that helps you grow. So maybe for some of you in this auditorium or watching online or watching a little bit later or to good sleeping, maybe your next step is to say this year, by God's grace, I'm going to read my Bible every single day. I love the way that as a church we do devotions together. And if you haven't connected to that, you can ask somebody about it. Just go to our website or pick it up on the app and you'll see what we're doing each week. Maybe you're doing another devotional stream. That's cool. But somehow, and if you miss a day or two, don't get the guilt. Don't get into legalism. Just pretend you read the previous days and get into that day and encounter God. Perhaps your next step is to improve how you pray. And again, this is not saying, well, I've got a goal this year of praying three hours before I go to work. Or now, no, just 10 minutes is a good starting point. And having a bit of a, way of praying through a few key things. And I know for some of you, I go, oh, yeah, we, we've done that. Yeah, but others need to be encouraged to take that as their next step. Perhaps your next step is to consistently attend church. And I'm always nervous to mention that because it's like, that sounds so self-serving. But the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And I, I'm, I know in here, I'm preaching to the choir as it were. But I also want to say, I understand right now, it's going to take time for some of you to get re-engaged in face-to-face church attendance. And that's okay. Take your time. This is not about guilt. This is about saying, well, what is your next step? There are some people, it would be irresponsible for you to be here because you're caring for somebody's at high risk or you work in an area of high risk. We get that. And I hope, I don't want to go through every scenario, but I hope you catch the spirit of this. But fellowship, that connecting with each other is important. And church on a Sunday is just one expression of that. Maybe your next step is to get baptized in water or say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But perhaps your next step is 
to begin to tithe and be generous in terms of your income in obedience to God's word. And we do some amazing courses that can help you. One of the things we do is God, me and money. And it's actually a course not about giving, it touches on that, but how biblically to manage material things. So you don't serve mammon, you serve God with the things that God has entrusted to you. Maybe it's to start memorizing some Bible verses so it can help you walk in victory each day. Perhaps it's to forgive somebody. Right now, as an annual day every year, there's been launched today and our movement's a part of it, I Forgive Day. And you'll hear a bit more about it. I don't have time today to go into it, but there'll be some social media stuff, you'll hear some other stuff of a family whose kids were killed who forgave the drunk driver and because of their faith. In Jesus, It's the most incredible thing. But it's now been endorsed as a national day by all churches and by some of our governments who are saying, we need to learn how to forgive each other. What a thing. If on a day every year, it should be every day. I don't know. Most days I find somebody I need to forgive. <laughs> don't look at me like that. Come to the welcome lunch. Do the Alpha course. And Alpha is not just for new people, it's for people who just want to get more grounded in faith. And it's brilliant. Do the Freedom course. Remember, we said you want to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. Join a life group, lead a life group, discover your spiritual gifts. We've got all this ready to go this year. We've been working on it the last years, already done some of it online. Join a surf team is your next step. Become an intern. There's so many things. Sign up to Alpha Crucis because you want to do more in-depth study of the Bible, not just to have knowledge, but for it to empower your life. Perhaps your next step is to courageously step out in faith for God. And it's something he's been prompting you to do. It's your next step. Say yes to something that God by his spirit has been prompting you to do. Because in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, after outlining our extraordinary salvation, Peter says this, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. And again, it's not works. It's stepping out in faith and seeing that flow of God's grace, God's mercy, God's strength, God's empowerment in your life. One of the key things that can help you do that, and we do this every year, is get your word for the year. Now, I know some of you have already done it. You kind of got into the habit. But if you kind of go, well, what's that? What we do is encourage everybody at the beginning of the year to say, God, what is your emphasis in a word? Some people need a little short sentence, but we're not talking about an essay. In a word, what is the emphasis that you want in my life? I'm not going to preach on this now, but for me, my word is clarity. Because as we lead out of this, there needs to be clarity about what's next, how we do it, timing things. And it's just a word that put, God put, started putting my heart at the end of last year for me for this year. And then find a verse that's attached to it. And there's something powerful about it because what it does, that word is God's emphasis inspired by the Holy Spirit for your life. 
I love as we share them sometimes, especially around our staff team. We've been sharing a word over the last few luncheons and that. And um, people say, I argued with God about this word. I didn't like what the word that he gave me. But at the end of the year, they go, that anchored my life. That inspired me. That gave me a promise to hang on to. That, as it unfolded, became the best word that I could have had for my life. Well, what is the word that's going to bring glory to God and outwork something of God's purpose in your life for this coming year? And I want to make a few suggestions around that. Number one, it, it should be something that glorifies God. Something that would glorify God. So don't make it a goal, your word for the Lord. Watch everything on Netflix. You can do that a little bit and relax and all the rest of it. But that doesn't glorify God. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, I love this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I want you to notice something that is kind of easy to miss on that. He says, so whether you eat or drink, that's an everyday thing for most of us, isn't it? We eat and drink. The most mundane, important thing to sustain your life outside of breathing, perhaps, is to eat and to drink. And he says, when you have that cup of coffee, when you have that glass of water, when you have your breakfast, your lunch, do it to the glory of God. And that's where grace came from. That moment to pause and say, God, I'm thankful for what I've got to eat, to do, because I want it to empower me to bring glory to you. So he starts with the most basic everyday life thing. He says, you can do everything if you have a mindset of honouring Jesus to the glory of God. And then he says, then whatever else you do, do it for the glory of God. I think we live in a society, and it's not that it's new to humanity. I just think it's heightened, where a lot of things are just done for personal glory. He says, no, no, don't do that. Do things for the glory of God. Do things with a mindset that I have eternal significance in what I'm doing. Any goal that makes us more grateful to God, draws us closer to Him, serves others, involves sharing Jesus with somebody. And there's a whole lot of great evangelists one-on-one who just every day are sharing something with Jesus, but we all can do something in that area. And then fulfilling my destiny in such a way that it brings glory to God. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9, Paul says, we make it our goal to please him. And pleasing him should be behind everything we do. So the first thing in terms of your word for the year, which is shaping purpose for the year, I hope you get that connection, is, is it something that will bring glory to God? Is it something motivated by love? God is far more interested in why you do what you do than just in what you do. Say that again. God is far more interested in why you and I do the things that we do rather than just what we do. And all of us have been in that situation where we've done a good thing with a stinking motive. Only me? We won't ask for a show of hands. 
God is more interested in your heart than your actions. And that's not to minimize the importance of our actions, our steps of faith, our steps of obedience. And God doesn't bless when we're motivated by fear, envy, peer pressure, egotism or whatever else. But if love motivates us, and let me just say that, I don't think we ever get this 100% right. But we do examine our hearts and we do say, God, I've got a little bit of a twisted motive here, but I know it's still the right thing. Help my heart. I think that's just being honest and real with God. But if love motivates us, loving God and loving people, God blesses our efforts. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14, be on your guard. Stand firm in faith. Be courageous. One of those great words to send us out into our everyday life. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. So we want to do something that will glorify God, something that's motivated by faith, something that will fulfil God's purpose in our lives. And God has purpose for us as a community of faith that includes worship, fellowship, discipleship, continuing to grow in grace in following Jesus, ministry, what we give to others, sharing faith. But God's got something for your life that he wants to see outwork this year. And I think that vision is as important as our vision. And when you're doing that, you actually add value to our vision. And I don't want to make it about us because I'm trying to make this more about you this morning. There is something when you just do what God's called you to do and you start taking steps of faith and you're courageous and you're nervous sometimes about that step of obedience that lifts the whole church and adds something to the kingdom of God, the advancement of the kingdom. Every time you take a step of faith, every time you take a step of obedience, Every time you do something with a heart to bring glory to God, the kingdom is advanced. The kingdom is advanced. Whether it's seen by people or not, whether it's recognized, it's recognized by your Father in heaven. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I run with purpose in every step. Hebrews chapter 12. Let us run with perseverance. One translation says endurance. Let us run with perseverance, endurance. The race marked out for us. God's got a race marked out for you. And when you fulfill it, like I said, you advance the kingdom. You're a blessing to others. You're earning an eternal reward. All of those biblical values happen when you take a step of faith, when you're courageous, when you take that step of obedience. And we do it by keeping our eyes fixed on how many likes we have on Instagram. How many people said thank you? No, we do it by keeping our eye. Fixed on Jesus. Fixed on Jesus. So something that glorifies God, something that's motivated by love, something that will fulfill God's purpose, something that requires faith. What are you going to do this year that will stretch your faith? Something 
big enough that you have to depend on God for it to happen. And I'm going to believe that as you just get your word for the year or say, God, I need a step of faith this year, that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And you might dismiss it and go, oh, no, 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 no. But how you'll know it's the Holy Spirit is it's just an unrelenting, gentle whisper. It's persistent. It's not yelling. It's not condemnation. Invariably, that's the voice of the enemy. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's that still small voice that just won't go away until you do it. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible. I want you to notice it's not just difficult. He doesn't say it's a little bit difficult to please God without faith. No, he says it's impossible. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And I love this next bit. And that he rewards those who diligently or earnestly seek him. When you take that step of faith, you please God. And when you please God, he pours out blessing, opens doors, changes circumstances. Yes, it requires courage. Yes, it requires endurance. All the things we've been talking about. But what's your next step? And finally, something that needs God's power. We can find a whole lot of self-help books, whether it's on Amazon or your local bookstore. And some of them had great, great advice, but none of them provide what the scriptures tell us or inspire us with. They can have brilliant strategies. And I'm not saying don't read them. They can be helpful to equipping your life. But more than that, you need this sense of what has God got for me? What has God got for me? Because none of them will impart God's power into your life. Like God's promises, God's word, steps of courage, steps of faith, steps of obedience will. Only God's power can do that. So that brings me to our word for the year for our church. And it's simply the word reimagine. And everything that I've said before is to encourage you as we start moving out of the season that we're in, and I don't think we're out of it yet, and I'm not going to prophesy how long, and we're going to have to wear masks and all those things. I'm not going there, girlfriend. (laughs) Not going there. But we are going to emerge. It's to reimagine what you're going to do as you re-enter into, I know it's a cliched phrase now, the new normal for your life. Well, what wisdom are you going to take out of these last two years where you said, I don't like stuff, but I've actually learned something and I should hang on to. We're, we as a church and we've been doing it with the teams and I'm not just talking about the staff, I'm talking about all the teams, reimagining how we do church, the combination of face-to-face, online, what we can do differently, how we can get more people engaged, how we can reach more people. There's been a whole lot of reimagining going on. And our key verse is Ephesians 3.20. But before I read it, let me read the preceding verses. Is it all right if I read a bit more of the Bible? 
Ephesians 3.16 to 19, and remember 3.20 is our key verse behind reimagine the word for the year for us as church. Paul says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's worth reading those verses a few times and uh, my time's coming to an end here. There's a hook about to come and pull me off the stage. (laughs) But I want you to catch this. It's not self-help. This is not human effort. This is not good works or religious works is probably a better phrase. This is a prayer from Paul's heart that you would know how much God wants to strengthen you and I. How much he wants to empower us by his spirit in our innermost being. How much he wants us to know that within us is Christ the overcoming Lord who conquered sin and death for each and every one of us, who rose victorious, and it's the resurrected Christ within us. He he wants us to know that everything that's going to flow out of our lives is because we are immersed beyond our comprehension in the love of God. Accepted, forgiven, grace poured out, mercy, goodness. I want you to catch that. Then Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we Ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. J.A. Robinson, who was the Dean of Westminster, said no prayer that has ever been framed has uttered a bolder request and yet we're encouraged to pray it. And I've got to confess, all too often I pray too small a prayer, too timid a prayer. But we're encouraged to ask him who can do immeasurably above all we can ask or even imagine, reimagine. Because his power's at work within us. We're secure in his love. And you kind of ask with that kind of bold prayer, has the Apostle Paul gone over the top? Has he just lost the plot? I mean, seriously, if you really think about Ephesians 3.20 as a verse 
to impact your life and to begin your asking and imagine. You go, whoa, too big? And somebody said, it is impossible to ask for too much since the Father's giving exceeds our capacity for asking and imagining. Reimagine. Reimagine what 2022 is going to be like and beyond. And it's impossible to ask for too much since the Father's giving exceeds our capacity for asking or even imagining. The most important thing you can ask for and imagine for is eternal salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. And I already mentioned throughout this, He's done it all. He did it all on Calvary and then made sure we would receive the benefits of His work, the fullness of His salvation by rising from the dead and being crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. 